In ancient times, a Roman soldier wore a special belt as part of his battle gear. This particular belt is what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote about how the believer in Jesus Christ gets dressed for spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 and verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Putting on the belt of truth is the first thing we must do as we get dressed for victory in spiritual warfare. Why first and why the belt of truth? Because the devil is first and foremost a liar. He is a disinformation strategist. You wouldn't put on a pair of pants and forget your belt, would you? Have you put on the belt of truth today? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. There are tool belts, fan belts, and weightlifting belts. There's even a Bible belt. But on today's Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, you'll hear about a different kind of belt, the belt of truth. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. And when you read about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, the very first piece of armor is the belt of truth. How can this piece of battle gear help you in your invisible war with Satan? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Armored, Dressed for Victory in Spiritual Warfare. Stay with us now or you can visit somethinggoodradio.org and listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Putting on the Belt of Truth. Well, like me, you probably have a number of belts in your closet. Guys, for us, for men, for the most part, a belt is a very practical piece of our apparel. It's just there to hold up our pants, right? Can I get an amen, guys? That's, that's pretty much the extent to which we think about the belt. Uh, I know I'm supposed to match the black belt with the black shoes and the brown belt with the brown shoes. I don't always get it right. Sometimes my wife looks at me and says, you aren't leaving the house wearing it that way. So, you know, but you know, it's just a practical tool for us. Uh, ladies, for you, a belt is more of a fashion statement, more often than not, right? I mean, it's got a practical purpose to it, but you know, you, you have certain belts that match certain outfits. My wife has a friend in Texas who makes uh, specialty belts and, and Texas-sized belt buckles to go with them, and she bedazzles it with all kinds of stones, and I mean, it is a, it is a true Texas fashion statement. My wife has a few of them in the closet, and she'll break them out from time to time along with her red cowboy boots. I mean, she's all decked out in her, her Texas gear. Carpenters wear tool belts. Um, weightlifters wear weightlifting belts to protect, you know, the lower regions and their back. Seat belts are an important part of auto safety, right? And if you fly on an airplane, what do you have to do at takeoff and landing? You got to buckle your seatbelt. Reminds me of a story I heard about the heavyweight boxing champion, Muhammad Ali. He was flying first class, and of course, that announcement came on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're ready for takeoff. Need you to buckle your seatbelt. And the flight attendant made her way down the center aisle, looking to the left, looking to the right. She noticed that Muhammad Ali didn't have a seatbelt on. She said, sir, I need you to buckle up. And Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. 
And this quick-witted flight attendant said, yes, but Superman don't need no airplane either, so buckle up. <laughs> In ancient times, a Roman soldier wore a special belt as part of his battle gear. And that's part of what the Apostle Paul has in mind here. He envisions a Roman soldier decked out in all of his armor and all of his battle gear as he is, he's, he's instructing us as believers in Jesus Christ to get dressed for victory in spiritual warfare. And beginning in verse 14, he says these words, Paul to the Ephesians, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Before you left the house this morning, did you put on your belt of truth? I love how uh, the New American Standard translation of the Bible and other uh, older translations renders this verse. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. <laughs> we don't talk much that way these days, right? But your belt is there to gird up your loins. And that's the way they thought of it in ancient times. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the Joneses were in Texas for my mother-in-law's memorial service. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of packing to do because you had to think about, you know, what you're going to wear here and wear there and family gatherings and all of that. And usually I'm pretty good about mentally dressing myself when I'm traveling. You know, have I got my, my suit and my shirt and, you know, all that goes with it. Uh, socks, shoes. Um, I get there and we're getting ready for the funeral that day and I realize I forgot my belt. I forgot my belt. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just do, my, do the best I can, button up my coat. Later, I was preaching the service at a very formal church. I dusted off my doctoral robe, had that on. I figured I'd you know, cover up my loins, which would kind of be out there. And then not, not 30 seconds later, my son, my adult son, comes up to me and says, Dad, you didn't happen to bring a second belt, did you? I mean, I can't make this up. We both forgot our belt. And we're just thinking all day long, you know, my loins are not girded. My loins are not girded. That's probably too much for Sunday morning. <laughs> the particular belt a Roman soldier wore was not technically part of his battle armor, but it was an important part. You've probably seen enough Hollywood movies to know that in ancient times, Roman soldiers wore long flowing robes. And when a soldier went into battle, he put on his belt so he could hike up his robe and tuck the robe into his belt so he wouldn't trip over himself when he ran into battle. He also used the belt uh, to support other weapons in his armor. And this is the picture the Apostle Paul has in mind when he tells believers in Jesus Christ who are in a spiritual battle, he says, first and foremost, put on or fasten up the belt of truth. This is the first thing we must do as we get dressed for victory in spiritual warfare. Why is it the first? And why is it called the belt of truth and not something else? Well, we learned last week that the devil is what? He's a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, that's Satan. That's Beelzebub. That's the serpent of old. He's a liar. Or we may say it this way. The devil is a disinformation strategist. We hear that word often today. It's different than the word misinformation. You can actually make a mistake in communicating information, and you weren't intentionally trying to lie. That's, that's called misinformation. But disinformation, 
by definition, has a strategy behind it. The intention is to deceive. I did a little research on that word disinformation this week, and I learned that it's an English word that has roots in the Russian language, and it was first used by Joseph Stalin. The communist dictator used the term disinformation in the title of a KGB black propaganda department. And that's a perfect way to think about the devil, who is the father of lies, according to Jesus. He is a disinformation strategist from as far back as Genesis chapter 3. He's in the disinformation business with the intent to deceive us. In John 8, Jesus says this about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, notice, when, not if he lies, but when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is, a father, he is the father of lies. And those are really, really strong words, but it's important for us to know who we're doing battle with, the world, the flesh, and the devil. How exactly do we put on the belt of truth? Let's get real practical about this in the spiritual realm. First, we have to acknowledge the truth, all right? I have to acknowledge it. For decades, for most of my adult life, I'll say, the truth has been under attack by secularists who want us to believe there is no truth. They want us to believe that truth, absolute truth as we used to call it, that is truth that is true for all people at all times, in all places, truth kind of like one plus one is two kind of truth, right? That not just mathematical truth, but moral truth is not absolute, it's relative to the individual. That's been the prevailing philosophy for most of my adult life and probably your adult life as well. There is no truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And the virtue that is of highest esteem is not truth, but tolerance. Me tolerating your truth and you tolerating my truth, even if I say one plus one is three, four, or five, depending upon the day, you're to tolerate my truth, even though it has no resemblance to the truth at all. Tolerance has come to mean that all views are valid except the one that claims the truth. And that's just not logically true. All views are not equally valid. You have the right to your view and the right to what you call truth, but truth is truth regardless of whether you think it is or not. 2,000 years ago, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? It was the question of the ages. Both the Romans and the Greeks debated this question for centuries coming to no reasonable conclusion. They couldn't even figure it out back then. And so it shouldn't surprise us that Pilate asked this question. Now, we have no way of knowing from the text of Scripture in John chapter 18 whether uh, Pilate was uh, uh, cynical and sneering about it or whether he was sincere and seeking about it. You could either go either way, I suppose. There's a cynicism in our day. <laughs> what is truth? 
And then there are those sincere people who are saying, well, somebody please tell me the truth. And Pilate could have gone either way. He asked that question and then gave in to the angry crowd that wanted Jesus crucified and then tried to wash his hands of it. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, putting on the belt of truth. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab that's right at the top of the homepage and check out the A28 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the A28 Club from our website or call us at 757-276-1099 and we'll get you set up. That's 757-276-1099. The truth, it's not a thing, it's a person. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, putting on the belt of truth. Back in the 1980s, again, uh, I was 17 years old at this time, 1980, 1980 I was, a professor at the University of uh, Chicago named Alan Bloom wrote a, um, a, a book that shocked the academic world. It was titled The Closing of the American Mind, and this is a generation ago. And he begins with this statement, just an observation. He wasn't advocating this, but this was his observation as a professor in the university. Quote, there is one thing a professor can be absolutely certain of. Almost every student entering the university believes or says he believes that truth is relative. Uh, His observations wouldn't shock anybody in higher education today because that's what you're told on university campuses. That's what you're told in the media and in all places. It's accepted as fact and even celebrated. It is the truth that all truth is relative. I mean, how dichotomous is that? Uh, Bloom went on to say, there is no enemy other than the man who is not open to everything and tolerant of everything. Uh, Jesus, however, made a startling statement that flies in the face of modern philosophies today. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the truth. (laughs) That kind of statement today will get you labeled as a religious bigot. It gets you kicked out of all the reindeer games. You might even lose your job. You might even be called intolerant and uh, something from the dark ages. The larger context of Jesus' statement in John 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life, he he made uh, an absolute statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It's important for us to acknowledge the truth. Romans chapter 1 describes uh, the dark, depraved world in which we live, and it says that some have suppressed the truth. You you can decide, no, that's not true. It doesn't change the fact that it is. You know, the Bible is true whether you accept it or not, right? The truth is the truth whether you accept it or not. You can either suppress the truth or you can acknowledge the truth. I'm just saying that as a starting point in putting on the belt of truth, we must acknowledge the truth. Number two, you got to know the truth. You got to know the truth. 
Jesus said, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The opposite is true as well. If you base your life and live your life based upon lies, the lies of the devil, about who God is, about how this world in which we live operates, about who you are as a person, it won't set you free. It'll, those lies will entangle you in a bondage. But Jesus said, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you know the truth? Eve didn't know the truth very well back in Genesis chapter 3. She had a vague understanding of the truth. We talked about this last week when the devil, the serpent of old, slithered into the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. And, and the devil knows the truth well. He knows it better than some Christians know the Word of God, the truth of God. He knows it well enough to twist it just that much. And he did that in his conversation with Eve. He had Eve in a conversation. She responds in Genesis 3 and verse 2, oh, yes, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, huh, be careful when you're quoting God. Make sure you're precise. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees in the midst of the garden. No, Eve, he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? Don't be so vague about it. Then she went on to say, neither shall you touch it, lest you die, he said. No, Eve, he didn't say anything about that, about touching it. So she had this imprecise knowledge of the Word of God, and she became uh, very vulnerable to the devil. Before we put on the belt of truth, we must know what it is. Webster defines truth, listen to this, as fidelity to a standard. Where's the standard today? Who decides what's right and what's wrong? Well, the prevailing wisdom is you do, I do. We're, we're our own standard, relativism says. Fidelity to a standard. And frankly, what's missing in our world today is that standard that is outside of ourselves. Let me illustrate it this way. Suppose I were a carpenter, and you hired me to cut you a board exactly one meter in length. And I took the job, and I went back to my carpentry shop. I got out my tools and my measuring stick. I measured twice. I cut once. Isn't that what a good carpenter does, right? Or is it the other way around? Don't hire me as your carpenter, okay? Because I get that mixed up. But you hired me to do this. I, I delivered the board. And um, I said, here's your one-meter board. You looked at it and said, I think it's a little bit short. And we get into this argument back and forth. I think I delivered a one-meter board. You think it's a little bit short. H how do we resolve our differences? Who's right and who's wrong? We both can't be right. That's, that's illogical. It can't be both at the same time. There's only one truth here. So what we do as reasonable people is we get on a plane and we fly to Paris, France, and we visit the International Bureau of Weights and Measurements. <laughs> this is the organization that places a standardized length, or rather standardizes the length of a meter for the entire world, all right? You want to know the length of a meter, you go to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures, you put that board down there, and that's going to determine who's right and who's wrong. Here's what we learned. We're both wrong because I, I cut it a little bit longer than a meter, okay? 
This, this is the craziness that we're, we're in today, is there's no standard. Truth is fidelity to a standard. Without a standard, we have no way of knowing who's right, who's wrong. We can't resolve our dis- differences without a standard. And in moral and spiritual terms, Jesus Christ is the International Bureau of Weights and Measurements. The Bible, the Word of God, is the International Bureau of Weights and Measurements. Every notion of right and wrong is measured against God and God alone. In fact, Jesus said, he prayed in John chapter 17, Father, thy word is truth. Our world and our country has cast the standard aside. And so what we're playing in today, morally speaking, is sort of like a tennis game. But before you start the tennis match, you decide, oh, we don't need the umpire. Oh, let's get rid of this net. <laughs> these, these lines that they painted on here, we need to get rid of those. And now we're ready to play the game. Only the problem is when your opponent serves and he says the ball was in and you say it's out, you have no standard by which to measure the game. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones and today's message, Putting on the Belt of Truth, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones. He calls Starting Point, a disciple's first steps. Look for Something Good Courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available for pre-order, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume One, Old Testament is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together. And tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set. As challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. 
I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to pre-order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. Or if you'd like to mail your check to us, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Uh, we can stand up for something or we can stand up to something. Both are necessary in the Christian life, but if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. If you're gonna fight these spiritual battles, it's not enough to just acknowledge the truth and know the truth, walk in the truth. Part of what it means to be a soldier of Jesus Christ is a willingness to stand up for the truth. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Putting on the Belt of Truth. So join us then for Something Good. Now for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless you and thanks for listening.